All right, we will go ahead and get started. I would like to welcome everyone to From the Field, a farm chat with Idaho Wheat, where we address all kinds of topics that are affecting farmers. And the idea is to keep these conversations to about 30 minutes, stay within our attention spans, but cover all of the important questions. As always, we encourage participation. This is really your chance to ask the experts any questions that you have by either you can unmute yourself or by typing it into the chat and we will ask those for you. Uh, please don't make me come up with all the questions. It'll be much more interesting if uh, this is a lively conversation. Today, our guest is Paul Arrington. He is the executive director of the Idaho Water Users Association. He is a great friend to agriculture and is gonna help us answer a lot of our questions today about Idaho, Idaho's water situation, both today and kind of looking into the future. So Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. I would like if you could maybe start by explaining a little bit more about your organization. I know you have a really diverse membership, a, a large board. So tell us about what you do and the key groups that you represent. Thank you very much, Casey. And it's, it's a pleasure to be here today. I really do appreciate um, this group, I, uh, I appreciate uh, the partnerships and the collaboration we have together as we work on a lot of issues throughout the state and, and in the region. As uh, Casey said, I'm the executive director of the Idaho Water Users Association. Uh, we're an association representing irrigation districts, canal companies, uh, some drainage districts, groundwater districts, and similar organizations uh, throughout the state of Idaho. Our members uh, in large part are responsible for helping to get the water from the rivers to the fields or coordinating uh, groundwater district activities and things of that nature. So we're, as particularly here in Southern Idaho, we're in every community um, interacting and delivering water in neighborhoods and as well as the surrounding ag. So a lot of folks from throughout the state. That is great. Well. You know, first, I think we would love to address just the water situation currently here in Idaho. I know the last couple months we've really improved, but maybe a little bit about the current situation, the outlook. Um, and of course, we were talking that maybe there was going to be some early shutoff of irrigation waters and, and if that has changed or, or what the outlook is. That's a, I, that's a good question. And, and frankly, it's on a lot of people's minds. I, I remember... Um, and you, when you work in water, this is, this is what happens when you go to church or school or whatever it is. Christmas Day, we woke up and all of a sudden it started snowing. And it basically snowed for two weeks, basically, till about January 10th or 15th, give or take. And everywhere I'd go, people would pat me on the back. Oh, look, Paul, the world is great. Wonderful. All our water problems have been solved. Look at all the snow we got in the mountains. And, um, you know, when you work in water, you have to just say, okay, that's great for today, but we, we need this all the way until the spring. Unfortunately, uh, as many know, at, at, in early January, the faucet was turned off and we went dry. And we got to the point where in early April or maybe it was late March, I was sitting in on a water forecast meeting where they were just talking about the forecasts and where the reservoirs were, where the rivers were. And it was stated that this year, 2022, it was possible for Idaho, it was within the specter of reason that Idaho would have the worst drought 
on record. The worst drought ever recorded in Idaho this year. Well, and our managers and our water user organizations were planning for bad situations. Here in the Boise Valley, for example, we have the Boise Project Board of Control. They try to deliver about 3.75 acre feet to, per acre to their various water users. It doesn't matter if you know what that means or not, but just know the 3.75 is what they try to get. Before a drop of water was in the canal, they informed their water users that they were going to be cut down to 1.2 acre feet this year. So about a third. Uh, and that's before a drop was even in the canal. And as you go throughout the state, there were similar cuts, 20, 40, 50% in anticipation of what the year was going to be. And well, then April hit and early May. And in some areas, we had the wettest April on record. In most areas, we had at least 100% of average. And if you look just at the snowpack maps, holy cow, some of them were some of them were going back up. And, and again, I'm going to church and people are patting me on the back. Paul, we're saved. It's a wonderful year. And in the moment, it was great. I, all you talk to in, any water manager, it was great. It was a relief. Um, for me, I live in the Pioneer, or sorry, the Settlers Irrigation District here in Boise, Idaho. And they had already anticipated an early shutoff. Given all the rain, they shut their system down for two weeks in May, something they never do. But because of the rain, they were able to, which will then give us a couple of weeks on the back end of the season. Those rains helped a lot with um, the early season usage. It did put a little more water in our reservoirs, and it probably will help us eke out a little bit longer of a season at the end of the year. But the reality is we're still in drought conditions. We still have low water supplies. I told you about the Boise Project Border Control. They, after those rains, they bumped it up to 1.75, I believe. Uh, they, they recognize, okay, we can give you a little more water, but still far below what they try to give. I sat with another manager from a water district over a canal company over in the Eastern Idaho area, and they're, they're bracing for a tough year still. Even with all of this rain, they anticipate an early shutoff and they anticipate uh, reductions in their use. So long story short, the rain was great. The rain helped. Um, the cold weather, if you look out in the fields, the cold weather has kind of um, delayed some of the crops. So our farmers are a little bit behind. But the moisture and the rain was great and it helped maybe eke out a little bit at the back end of the season. Um, they were talking uh, in this valley, you know, as early as mid-September. Now it probably be closer to later September, maybe even early October, depending on how the temperature and, and some summer moisture might come. So um, still in drought, still need to be mindful, still need to be... Uh, thoughtful with our water use, but it's definitely, we're not on track for the worst drought in record. Yeah, that's that's a really good piece of news. I think, um, you know, last couple, six weeks probably have ha given a lot of relief to a lot of people. Um, and as you say, we're a little bit farther behind. I think we're definitely benefiting from these cooler temperatures because last year, if you remember, we started going to 90 degrees all through June and uh, that didn't help anybody's water situation. I, I did talk to a farmer yeah. in south central Idaho who delayed his irrigation for up to two weeks, which he had never done in 40 years of farming. So um, I think people are, are definitely planning for 
still a tough year, as you say. Um, you know, watching kind of the the percentages of the reservoirs eke back up, um, I have heard people say that that's not really a good indication about um, how much water is going to be available, as you say, in those irrigation districts. Is that correct? Well, yeah. It, it, when you get into water management, it's very technical. And these organizations will have a combination, and I'll use some water lingo that makes sense to me, but I'll explain it in case it doesn't to others, but a combination of natural flow rights, which means just the water naturally flowing in the river, and a combination and, and pair that with storage rights, meaning water in the reservoirs. And so the delicate dance that you do throughout the season is relying on that river water, the natural flow, as long as you can so that you can then push that storage back further and further into season. That basically what it does is the longer you can push storage back, the longer you have in the season to be able to irrigate. And so if your rivers are running low such that you run out of that natural flow, and this is all about priority and, and all of those kind of technical inside behind the curtain of managing water. If your natural flow runs short, you have to go on to storage earlier. And so having a lot of water in your storage account may be a good thing, but it may not. If we say, for example, next week, all of a sudden the switch is flipped and we're back to 90 to 100 degrees in throughout Southern Idaho, like we were last year, well, that's gonna skyrocket the demand for water and people are gonna then potentially be going into their storage accounts sooner, which means you're not lasting as long through the end of the season. So it's a pretty delicate balance and these managers, especially the ones who've been there for a long time, they have this down to an art form. And I, I was talking with uh, the old manager of the Twin Falls Canal Company uh, who recently retired. And, and he was just looking at, <clears throat> you know, some spring flows in some certain areas and some, some other little streams that flow down into the Rock Creek. And, and he says, I think we'll be okay for about this. And just, just, I mean, he's been there long enough that he can just look at these spring flows in the spring and the creeks and just sense, okay, here's what our season is going to be like. And usually he's spot on uh, with that. And so it's, it's a delicate balance in having to, to balance the use of that natural flow and the storage water. Great. So I had a follow-up question come in the chat that the Palisades Reservoir ended the year really pretty empty and it's now back up to 43%, but that maybe um, you know, the American Falls district there isn't really going to get as much water as, as they might think, even though it says 43%. So it's not going to fill and that system, and I, and I'll, I'll answer this, but with the caveat that I have been on the road for like three weeks and just have not got the latest information up in there, but it, that system is not going to fill. I mean, there will be some reservoirs that are, um, some reservoirs that just don't have all of their allocation of water. And then the other thing to keep in mind is that the system is operated, even though there are eight or nine different reservoirs, it's operated like one large system. And so there may be water in that 43% in Palisades that's actually labeled to belong to space holders down in American Falls or whatever the case may be. And so as the system fills and you're feeling various priorities and, and the goal is to hold the water up as high as you can, as long as you can, because you can always let it down if you need to, you can't bring it back up. And so 
yeah, sometimes you look at reservoir levels, particularly the high up ones and particularly like a Palisades, which is a junior priority reservoir. And you have to look a little more into the weeds to understand better what your particular organization's allocation is going to be and how that percent of fill and all your water may, may play out throughout the irrigation season. And Paul, are these decisions made thinking just about the current season or how they're setting themselves up for next year as well, or even looking kind of farther into the future, you know, considering that are we going to have more of these hot, dry years or, or how are they making those decisions? I mean, the short answer is yes. <laughs> they are, they're thinking about in a year like this, you've got to just make it through. Uh, you know, I, last year, I uh, was talking with the manager of the South Border Control, which is down in the far southwestern corner of Idaho, relying on water from storage systems in the Owyhee River drainage. And they got to a point where it was about mid-September and they had to make a decision. Are we going to shut off early and save a little bit of water for next year? Because we've drawn this reservoir down pretty far. Or are we just going to keep on going and finish the crops that we have and then just take next year as it comes? And ultimately, they decided to let, you know, finish out the crops and just take this year as it comes. And in dry years, sometimes that's all you can do. Sometimes you just got to make it through the season. With that in mind, even though you're trying to just make it through the season, water managers and reclamation and the department, they're always looking, okay, how can we be the most effective and efficient in our management of the water to maximize the potential for carryover? Um, you look at last year, we had really good carryover last year. And so that prevented, particularly in Eastern Idaho, some of the really devastating impacts that drought may have brought. And even this year, there was even with the tough year, there was still some carryover this year. There was still some water in that reservoir. And there are some districts in Eastern Idaho, kind of above that Milner Dam, that are going to be okay. They're going to make it through the season because last year they were able to conserve a little bit. And so, it, it again, it all gets to that delicate balance. And, and our reservoir system does really good for, you know, two years, maybe even a little more into a third year, there's not really enough space to manage for much further than that. Um, as we look to how do we manage for much further than that, we look at things like our recharge programs, where we're putting water into the, to the aquifer, recognizing that over three, four, five, or even more years, it's gonna slowly seep back into the river. That's kind of the long-term plan as far as um, how, we, how we plan for the future. And I know that there has been a big effort on those recharges over the last couple of years. Are we seeing some results from that yet? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the Department of Water Resource, well, the Water Resource Board, I should say, uh, did some analysis on it to try and understand better what has been the effect of this recharge and how has it benefited. In total, they put about 2.3 million acre feet uh, in the in in the ground now an acre foot is about three hundred and twenty five thousand gallons so that's a lot of gallons of milk that they have put into into the ground over the last about five or six years and they ran that analysis to show okay if 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 we hadn't done any of this work 
the groundwater districts in the area and the state have done a ton of work over the last few years. If we hadn't done any of that work this year, we would have likely dropped below the point we were at when the big settlement agreement was entered between the surface water and groundwater users. But because of those efforts with the surface, with the groundwater users in the state, we are, you know, two or three magnitudes above where we were. We're not where we want to be. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of work and water users are talking about how to accomplish that work. But we're definitely ahead of where we were because of all those efforts. That's, that's great to hear. Um, nice to see some results on it from those efforts. Agreed, agreed. So looking kind of into the future, I know there is quite a bit of money out there, whether it's from the state or from federal government, from different programs for infrastructure investments, um, water projects, that kind of thing. Is there anything planned um, that you can talk about that maybe is looking you know, towards the future for improvements of these infrastructure well, it's quite a bit, right? And and uh, this is really a once in a generation opportunity. Um, the state last session had uh, this 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 year has had 1.2 or more, some horribly high number of surplus, uh, just just really a lot of money left over. Uh, through the COVID Recovery ARPA, American Recovery Plan Act funds, the state received another billion dollars to be used for water and wastewater and broadband projects. And then last November, Congress uh, passed the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law or the Infrastructure Act, which provided another about $8 billion to help address water and aging water infrastructure needs. And so between loans and and grants through various programs, there's a real opportunity right now to address a lot of needs. And so some of the big ticket items that are going to be used, that this money is going to be used for here in the Boise, on the South Fork of the Boise River is the Anderson Ranch Reservoir. Uh, the, the Water Board is working to raise that six feet. That would provide 29,000 additional acre feet of space. Uh, for this valley, which is estimated this valley needs up to 190,000 additional acre feet by 2065. So it starts chipping away at that. So uh, some of the money will be used for a project to get a reliable water supply to the Mountain Home Air Force Base. Some of that money will be used to address additional recharge and other efforts uh, in, in the eastern Idaho above uh, Milner and Eastern Snake Plain Aquifer. Those are some of the big ticket items. Uh, that that money would be available for. But then you've also got other things like aging infrastructure. Some of, some of the infrastructure we're using is original to the early 1900s construction. And so automating that and updating that not only improves the efficiency of the system, it saves a significant amount of water. For example, here on the Boise River, the water master is looking at doing just that. There's about 80 different head gates that if they were to be modernized and automated could save up to uh, just kind of a back of the napkin estimate around 12 to 15,000 acre feet of water a year, just because of the improved efficiencies and just because of the way it allows them to shift the management of the river. And so these funds, we're looking at a lot of opportunities to go out and to update and modernize some of our infrastructure, make it easier, more efficient, which then going back to your first question kind of helps as we're thinking about how do we plan in the future, a lot of these things help us. The next time we have a drought, if you have a 15,000 acre foot less of a need on the Boise River because you've automated the system, well, that, that's a huge help. If your ditch 
now has a new head gate and maybe it's lined, then that is less water that you need to get the stuff you have to do done. And so it's, it's, uh, it's quite beneficial. So Paul, you've talked maybe a little bit about this already, but if you maybe want to talk about some of the biggest challenges that our irrigators are, are facing in the next few years, if there's anything to add from what you've already said. You know, when we look at from a water user standpoint, what are the challenges we face? The ones we've already talked about, you know, uh, we've got a, a changing uh, just weather. What do you call it? Climate change, climate variability. I don't care what you call it, but the realities that we're facing are that our, our weather is hitting us differently. We're having snow in different areas. It gets warmer. It gets colder. This spring has been just all over the place after a winter that was devastatingly horrible. And so developing systems that are more resilient and responsive to different weather uh, events and weather patterns is very important. That's what a lot of that modernizing and updating does. Uh, drought, I mean, the forecasts are that drought will become a more and more of a reality in the coming years. And so being able to, again, just all about that sustainable and resilient um, water supply. Uh, in the Eastern Snake Plain in Eastern Idaho, uh, we got to sit there in 2015, they entered into that settlement agreement and it was monumental and it, it, it was, it was a real shift in management in, in, in the plane up there and folks have worked really hard to make that agreement work. And they've done a lot of good stuff. And now we're at a point where folks are looking at it and saying, okay, how do we make this continue to work into the future? Does that, what does that mean? And, and so that's going to be a real challenge for water users this year and well, however long it takes them to figure that out. And then you look at some of the other day-to-day -day practical issues, right? I, I mean, we're a fast growing state. And so our organizations, which were created in 1905 to manage water deliveries to farmers are now find themselves with tens of thousands of individual homeowner accounts trying to solve the problems of John Q. Public who just moved into town and has no idea what it means to live in a desert climate, in a desert environment, or to have a ditch run across your property based on an easement that isn't even in your deed. And so, so those unique challenges really, um, I, I talked to the manager of a district the other day who he said, you know, when, it, when he started, if he got a call for a problem on the ditch, he could just say, okay, I'll be back in 30 minutes. Now it's, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, because it just takes all day because they're just, um, just, there's just so much more that you have to be involved in and, and so much more going on. Those are probably some of our biggest challenges that we face. Um, there's more, but those are probably the ones that are coming to the front of my mind. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Um, so we only have about five minutes left, so I do want to make sure that if anybody has questions, please either unmute yourself or um, put them in the chat. We did have one in the chat that said, why are seasonal water decisions made before we are closer to the 30-year median date of late April? The 30-year median date of late April. Brittany, maybe, I, I mean, water decisions... Uh, well, I'll say this and, and, may, and see if I, if I don't answer that question, then just mute me or kick me out. You've got the, the hosting authority. But, um, you know, farmers start making their plans for the next year long before April. They start looking for seed. They start making, and some of them are multiple year crop rotations, right? And, and so their plans 
are in place long before the the even a specter of what the new water year is going to look like has even taken place and and so that is one of the realities that we have to face as we're looking at how do we deliver water and how do we make sure folks have we got to recognize that some farmers are in a rotation of wheat or others may be in a rotation of potatoes or corn or whatever the case may be and those have different demands for water then the other reality of idaho if if, if we made all and well I spoke to this a little bit earlier. If we made all of our water decisions, say in March, we would be missing out on a lot of the water year. We can forecast what the water year is going to look like, but I'll tell you, when I was at those meetings at the end of the March, nobody forecasted that April and May were going to be as wet and as cool as they were. And so the realities are, we don't know until we get it. We get a forecast in early April that provides a a pretty reliable, a pretty reliable um, target for us to work for as far as what our water supplies may or may not look like for the coming year. But then there's other forecasts in May and there's some even further into the season and we continue to forecast what we think the season is going to do and then we live it and we change those forecasts based on what we lived. And so uh, we do a lot of management based on those forecasts. Unfortunately, we just have no idea. If we would have made all our plans on January 1st, we may have thought we were gonna have a gangbusters year. By February 15th, we were all shutting the head gates down. And then by April 15th, we weren't sweating quite as bad. And so it's, it's, it's difficult. Weather is, is not as, rely or as uh, predictable as we wish it was. Did I, I, I don't know if I answered that question or not. If I didn't, maybe help me understand. I don't know. I do see one person came off oh. mute. So maybe if they want to make a comment. That was not actually my question, even though it's under my name. So just, I just want to make sure that you did answer that correctly for the person who asked it. Um, so anyone who's logged in is Brittany. <laughs> if you ask oh. that question, just go ahead and clarify. Clarify, go ahead and ask the follow-up or ask for clarification. That's if that we have multiple people using the same name. <laughs> I just want to comment too on, on Paul's. This is Brad at Aberdeen Springfield. The 30-year median is not the 30-year median anymore. Uh, like Paul says, with the weather changing like it is, the, the weather is just so unpredictable that we cannot seem to predict it even you know, within the last seven days. So we're having a heck of a time. Yeah, the averages are are what they are, but what is an average? An average is a mean of an extreme. So we have to remember where we're where we're coming from and try to get this um, our weather forecast to be at least a little better and to manage our system so we have a little bit of, of fluff in the system. Because right now we're on the you know pretty tight tight situation on what we're trying to manage. Brad is a new manager in our membership uh, with the Aberdeen Springfield Canal Company. This is his first year. Congrats, Brad. A big drought year for your first year. I, uh, I saw another question. Have any of the districts that were facing curtailment backed off those restrictions based on the recent precipitation? Uh, so uh, the short answer would be well, let me put it this way. I, don't, I just don't have short answers. All my answers are long. I apologize. I was an attorney by trade. I, I used to get paid by the word. Um, so early in the season, as I mentioned earlier, early in the season, a lot of districts were anticipating, again, they were being told this could potentially be the worst drought on record. 
that was within the specter of possibilities. And so there were a lot of decisions made where we anticipate cutting or shutting down in mid-August or mid-September, and we're going to cut uh, your allocations by half or some even more. Um, and that those were the early decisions. Some of those made even before a drop of water was in the canals as they were anticipating what the year would look like. Now, these rains in April and May have helped to alleviate some of that. And some of those districts have recognized, okay, we can use a little more water. Um, as I talked about the Boise border control down to 1.2, now up to at least 1.7 or maybe even higher, that they'll be able to allocate to their water users this year. And as you go throughout the state in individual pockets and districts, everything kind of is, is, is different depending on you know, the priorities of their water rights and where their storage is and if they have storage at all. So it's not really a blanket answer, but I think I can say uh, many have looked back and said, okay, I think we can soften a little bit. But the reality is we're still in a drought. We still have districts and, and we still have organizations throughout the state that are going to be shut off in early. Uh, the Bigwood Canal Company, uh, the Bigwood uh, Reservoir has about 30 days worth of water supply. I was talking with some of the water district yesterday. All of the rain we got helped make it so it wasn't maybe 10 days of supply. I don't know, but um, they've got about 30 to 35 days of supply. So they're potentially going to have that reservoir shut off early in the season and, and others will face as well. So we're still in a drought, uh, may not be as painful as we first anticipated, but uh, we're still there. Like, like for our, our case, we were participating and we thought we could be shut off and possibly have no water and by the middle of July. We're looking now. Um, it still could be the middle of August when we have to shut off. So it's, it's gotten better, but it's not perfect yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, sounds like we're not out of the woods yet, but definitely um, appreciate the last month that has, has maybe given us another month at the end of the season. All right. Last chance. If anybody has any questions um, and the last thing, Paul, I would love for you to comment on, I know that you guys always do a canal safety campaign, and I've heard that um, on the radio this year and would love for you just to have the chance to kind of re reiterate those me messages before we end. Well, one of the challenges, uh, I, again, you talk about challenges. One of the other challenges we face in a growing state is um, people not realizing that some of our facilities are really, they're not recreational facilities. You're sitting on a hot day, you know, last year we talked about the 100 degrees, 90 plus all for June and July. Nothing sounded better than just going and cooling off, taking a dip in some water. And you see these canals and these large water structures that pass through our communities, frankly, anymore. And they're really inviting folks really want to go swim, but they're not. They're dangerous. They've got swift undercurrents. The water is very cold. And then there's structure. There's diversion structures and things, and at times even debris under the water that you can't see. And, and unfortunately, there was a time when Idaho had the unfortunate distinction of having the most deaths in canals in the nation. And that's just something that's not acceptable. And so we do have a pretty uh, active campaign. Uh, it's actually our, our, our early campaign is going on this week, just to urge people to stay out of the canals. 
uh, stay out of um, those. They're not they're not recreational facilities. They are their equipment basically used to get water from one place to the next. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate that you guys uh, focus so much on, on that safety aspect. And of course, all of the work that you do on behalf of our irrigators, um, not only education, but the advocacy. Uh, Paul works very hard over at the State House uh, during the session to make sure that our voices are heard. And, and we certainly appreciate that, Paul. So thank, thank you. you for your time here today. I know that this was really informative and um, also appreciate, I think there's a lot of new names and faces on here today and anybody who might be listening to the recordings. Uh, thank you for participating and we look forward to seeing you in another episode. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely.